Hello, and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is Episode 73. John and Wendy talk to Valerie Condos Field. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How's it going, John? I am well. I'm well, Wendy. This is a little different for us. This mm-hmm. this whole episode is different. Yes. We are doing an opening by ourselves. Uh, we're going to do a closing by ourselves because our guest was fairly limited with her time because mm-hmm. she is something else. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I am so excited for this conversation. Yeah. We wanted to explain a little bit about the backstory Wendy's going to read Miss Val as she goes by. We're going to read her bio, but we had the opportunity to see Miss Val speak at HR Redefined back in May. She was astounding. Oh yeah, I I think Wendy and I, uh, Nicole Roberts, there's several people that listen to the show that were at at Redefined heard Miss Val. We were all just blown away. Definitely not what I necessarily expected. Right. But absolutely adored her. Absolutely adored yeah. her. And for many of you know, I like to tweet. We talk about it on the show. I put my phone down and just listened and was just stunned. And I looked at Wendy when the show was over and I said, or when she was done and said, we have got to get her on the show, whatever it takes. <laughs> and thankfully, Nora and our friends at Namely were kind enough to to make an introduction for us. And here we are, you know, what, six weeks later. Mm-hmm. And doing an interview with Valerie Condos Field. Who, who knew? Who knew? You know, John, that really goes into the, the crux of her, her talk and her whole career is you have to put out the ass. And you can't be afraid to, to do that. And for, you know, and that's what we did. We said, all right, we want you on. And here we are. <laughs> and she'll explain in, her, in, the, in the conversation mm-hmm what she was doing before she talked to us, which was kind of mind blowing too. Yeah. Uh, to be part of her conversation with all the stories about her and podcasts. But you yeah. know what? We've we've babbled a bit. Yes. Why don't you read the introduction? We will then go into the interview and then we'll come back around. Very honored to introduce you all to Valerie Condos Field. She is a retired head coach of seven-time NCAA champion, 22-time regional, and 18-time Pac-12 champion UCLA women's gymnastics team. Inducted into the UCLA Athletic Hall of Fame in 2010, the four-time National Coach of the Year was recently named West Region Coach of the Year and Pac-12 Coach of the Century for her solid track record as a preeminent coach. Affectionately known to her gymnast as Miss Val, her reputation is only one reason that 46 former U.S. national team members have come through her program and why half of the last two Olympic teams have committed to UCLA. Valerie's coaching success is due to her extraordinary leadership and mentorship of young student-athletes and the way in which she uses gymnastics as an avenue through which to teach valuable life lessons while encouraging individuality and joy. Something Valerie learned from the late John Wooden, the legendary and most successful collegiate basketball coach of all time, who was one of her biggest inspirations, as well as a close mentor and friend. Valerie began her career as a professional ballet dancer and choreographer for the Washington, D.C. and Sacramento Ballet Companies. Although never a gymnast herself, she transferred to her student-athletes all she learned in the world of classical dance. The result of which has been nearly three decades of coaching one of the premier athletic programs in any sport, mentoring hundreds of elite athletes, including Olympic champions Simone Biles, 
Jordan Weaver, Kyla Ross, Madison Koshien, Lori Hernandez, and Natasia Lukian. Also known as the nation's foremost gymnastics choreographer, Miss Val's many credits include choreographing and directing a myriad of live variety shows, such as the NCAA opening ceremonies for women's basketball, a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar roast, CBS's Jump, Jive, and Thrive Breast Cancer Research Foundation benefit, and 26 years of Cirque-type shows for SeaWorld's Summer Nights and choreographer and director for multiple shows at the San Diego Zoo from 2015 to present, featuring larger-than-life puppets, dancers, still walkers, musicians, and acrobats. Works include The Journey, Jumbo, and Call of the Night. Current projects include additional live stage shows, TV specials, events, and the development of theatrical musical. She is also a dynamic and charismatic speaker with an extensive schedule of corporate coaching events for national companies, including J.P. Morgan Chase. As a recent breast cancer survivor, Valerie's positive outlook and hope-filled message is impactful. She empowers her athletes to use their voices, to celebrate themselves, and to enjoy the elite sport that has damaged so many in the past. She is thrilled to have the opportunity to share motivating and inspirational messages with the world with her book, Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance, advice and inspiration from the UCLA Athletic Hall of Fame coach of 17 NCAA championship teams, which was released in the fall of 2018 by Hatchet Book Group. It expounds on her life's philosophy, don't wait to see what life is going to hand you, take control of your life and design, choreograph it exactly how you want it to turn out. And now, I hope you all enjoy our conversation with Miss Val. Well, we are super excited today to welcome Miss Val to the show. Miss Val, we start every show with the same question. What's in your glass this afternoon? Well, literally ice water. Figuratively, a lot. I just got through with another podcast and with Caitlin Ohashi and had an interview with USA Today in, on my way home. And I'm speaking with you right now. So I'm really excited just to share goodness and wisdom and connect with people for the greater good. Love it. And we, we get water a lot. We've, I think we've had pretty much every type of beverage you can think uh, mm-hmm. people have had on the show. Water is a great thing, especially in the afternoon. And uh, maybe later you can enjoy some, whatever else is of your liking. But uh, Well, if you were calling me yes. about three hours or so, it may be a really nice Pinot Grigio. <laughs> um, but right now I'm hydrating. Fair enough. Fair enough. Wonderful. But we wanted to talk a little about your journey from dancer and being, you know, training as a dancer to becoming ultimately the Pac-12 coach of the century in gymnastics. You know, tell us a little bit how you got started on that path and how did making the ask play into that? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. I was a ballet dancer. I grew up classically dancing. And um, I was 22 years old. I'd not gone to college because I was dancing professionally. And I was getting ready to start my inaugural season with the Washington DC Ballet. And I heard that UCLA needed a dance coach for their gymnastics team. And I thought, you know, I haven't gone to college. I really miss school. My family's from California. Let me just figure out who the head coach is for at UCLA, give them a call and see if they would want to hire me to be the dance coach. And without any trepidation, I made that call and told them I'd had 17 years of classical ballet training and they flew me out for an interview and on the spot just said, we don't have a salary for you, but we can offer you a full scholarship. 
And it was music to my ears. I retired from dancing and went, came to UCLA on a full scholarship, academic scholarship, because obviously I wasn't a gymnast (laughs) and was their dance coach and their choreographer the whole time I was in college. And then a year or two after I graduated, I was still choreographing for them. And I was called into the athletic director's office and she said, we're making a change with our head coaching position. We would like for you to be the new head coach. And I thought I laughed out loud immediately. She said I was catatonic for about a good 30 seconds. And I said, you understand, I don't know the first thing about gymnastics. And she said, I've observed how you work with the student athletes and I like how you're firm, but you're compassionate with them. And I trust you'll figure the rest out. And that's all I got. So I spent the next however many years figuring it out. And as you said, to talk about the ask, I've had a tremendous career. We've won seven national championships. I'm in the UCLA Athletic Hall of Fame. As you mentioned, Pac-12 Coach of the Century, all of this. And that would have never, ever happened had I been too afraid to pick up the phone and make the ask. You never know if you don't ask, right? I think that's... right. And I remember clearly thinking, the worst thing they can say is no. (laughs) Exactly. Right. (laughs) And why would I take that personally? He doesn't know me, so it's fine. Right. No, I, I think that's great. And, it's, and I think, too, that's kind of how we found you because someone at Namely decided to just ask and you came to their conference. And now here we are a little over a month later being able to chat with you personally. I think that's just awesome. I love it. <laughs> right. I agree. You talked a little bit about figuring it out, building a team, because you didn't know gymnastics other than what you had seen from the the sidelines. You didn't you weren't a gymnast. So talk to us a little bit how you're able to take what you did know and translate it to building a coaching team for your athletes to help them be a team and become successful. Because like John said earlier, we do that in HR all the time. Another great question. You guys are two for two now. So um, (laughs) of course I'm a coach. I'm keeping score. I think in any profession, I think people get in trouble when they think they have to know everything. And obviously there are coaches, I would say 100% of the coaches out there coaching probably know know more about their sport than I knew about gymnastics. But when I I stopped and I thought, okay, why am I going to do this job? What is my why? I realized that I really didn't care about the bragging rights of winning. And that's basically what athletics is all about, being able to say, haha, we beat you. And those bragging rights, that did not resonate with me because I grew up on stage. But what did resonate with me was I absolutely believe that athletics is one of the greatest venues to learn really tough life lessons and to teach those life lessons that you don't learn in the classroom. And I was super excited about being able to lead these 20 young women that were on our team to becoming champions in life not just in gymnastics, but in life. And that I absolutely believe that would translate to the competition floor. I knew all these things that I had learned in the ballet studio with how to work hard, how to work through pain, how to prepare for a specific goal, which for me was our performance season. I knew what it was like to be a young woman having to go through puberty in a leotard. That is not fun that translated to the gymnast. I knew what it was like to be in a sport in a profession that's your body shamed. 
gymnasts go through that all the time. There were all these correlations. And I knew, I mean, the sport of gymnastics is called artistic gymnastics. So I knew how to bring the artistic quality and performance quality to athletes. And I knew I could do that better than anybody else in the country that was coaching gymnastics. I knew what I brought. Now I had to figure out everything I didn't know, which was the actual gymnastics part. And I found really good people along the way to be our assistant coaches, to fill in the gaps. And I think that was one of the strongest suits that I had going in my favor was I couldn't have an ego because I didn't know anything. So I had to ask a hundred questions a day. And to this day, that's still how I coach. We talked a bit about building the team and kind of how that would correlate with HR. You know, we're entering a really interesting time in our history where we've got multiple generations now, the most generations working at one time. You know, we hear about millennials and Zs and you name it, we hear about it. Having just retired and in your time as coach, you know, you spent a lot of time with students in all these different generations. Can you talk about some of the changes that you saw in, in those student athletes, if you did, and kind of how did you adjust to those when it came to coaching and encouraging them? Gosh, the first thing that comes to mind when you say that is the concept of work and working. And I'm 60, so my generation and the people older than me, we grew up with a very healthy understanding of work and that work is really not a four letter word. Work is something that, that not just brings you money, but it fills you up from the inside. When you show up every day for work and you can, at the end of the day, say, I did a good job today, that fills you with pride. And what I've noticed with the generation that I'm coaching now, they want things so immediately. They want the quick route. They do not understand that there is no shortcut to, to success. And they can argue that because they've seen it with some of these dot-com people and with the Kardashians and with the influencers on Instagram and all of that. They've seen this overnight success that can happen. But what I would argue with them is, you know what? Those influencers, even though it may seem like they're just out enjoying the world and posting that is their business. They are intentional with the work of their business. So I think that there's a kind of an, a misnomer with the younger generations about the fulfillment that comes from work. And I say that also because the student athletes on my team that are affluent, you know, every, every spring, starting with their freshman year, I'll call them in my office, not just the affluent ones, but all the student athletes on their individual meetings. And I'll say, okay, what job are you going to get this summer? You got to get a job. What do you got to get? And the, I have had so many student athletes say, oh, I don't need to work. My parents pay for everything. And I was like, you're missing the gem and the fulfillment and the pride that comes from a job, regardless of what job it is. I think that's one of the most eye-opening things that I'm seeing. And it really is quite sad to me. I think there's a lot of truth in that. And learning how to get that fulfillment from a job well done. Yeah. And I Um, feel that people don't, the ones that are really successful in life, the student athletes that have gone on and been really successful or the student athletes that are successful while they're in college, I've noticed are the ones that find joy in the struggle. Mm -hmm. They look at it like a challenge is something really exciting. A challenge isn't something that has a negative connotation to it. And they, they take that same 
that same understanding into their schoolwork, into going to class, into, into studying for exams, into writing a paper. They love life and they love the challenge of life and it, they thrive in the process of the challenge, not just getting the work done as fast as they can for the end result. Ms. Val, in your presentation at HR Redefined, you talked a lot about John Wooden, which was fantastic. He is considered, you know, one of the greatest coaches in history. Tell us a little bit about how you got to know him and what you learned from him about leadership. So (laughs) I had been at UCLA for 15 years and I'd never met Coach Wooden, although his definition of success, it changed the trajectory of my life and was the biggest aha moment of my life at that point. In 1998, I married our football defensive coordinator, Bobby Field. Bobby knew Coach Wooden. So he came home one night and I said, Bobby, I've never met Coach. You know him. How about if you call him up and ask him over for dinner? Again, the ask. And my husband said, you know, Coach Wooden has got more invitations on his plate than he'll ever be able to say yes to. The last thing he needs is another obligation. And I said, he can say no. And so the next night, my husband came home and I said, you call Coach Wooden? He goes, you know what? I'm not going to do that, blah, blah, blah. And three weeks later, he would say that I nagged for the three weeks and I'll say that I was persistent. He came home and I, he said, you know, I called Coach Wooden. And my husband said, Coach, I don't know if you know, but I've married our women's gymnastics coach. And Coach Wooden said, I know all about Miss Val. <laughs> and Bobby said, you know, we would love to invite you over for dinner, but we know you've got more in your calendar than you'll ever be able to accomplish. The last thing you need is another obligation. And Coach Wooden said, Bobby, I don't mean to interrupt you, but are you inviting me over for dinner or are you giving me all the reasons you don't want me to come? And so with that, Coach Wooden came to dinner and it really started a relationship that was much more than just a friendship with my husband and I and and coach and his family. We became family and he became my mentor. I looking back on my career now, how did this ballerina that was in the sports world end up with the greatest coach of all time as her mentor and how that happened was because of the ask. We're glad you made the ask because I I definitely enjoyed the perspective that you were able to share. And, you know, you mentioned, we've talked about the conference a a couple of different times, Ms. Val. You know, again, we we're so incredibly fortunate to hear you at HR Redefined in May. And, you know, as we mentioned before we started recording, I'm sure it's a little different talking to two HR practitioners that, that saw you at a conference. Can you talk about how that opportunity came to pass and what really surprised you about the audience? Well, when you think about HR, I don't know if it's like this in every organization, but in athletics, in our athletic department, there are two areas that just are not that thrilling and exciting. And one of them is compliance. (laughs) And the other is HR, which is kind of like another form of having to be compliant. And I kind of like to run by the seat of my pants. And so when I heard that I had been asked to do the keynote for the HR convention, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be so boring. (laughs) (laughs) We get that a lot, Miss Val. (laughs) Talk about like nerdville. Really? (laughs) This is going to be, and and I looked at it as a challenge. It was like, I'm going to make these people like me. I'm going to make them get up and dance with me. And I'm going to, you know, I am going to get them to smile. And I literally imagined looking out in the audience and just seeing these like 
stoic faces oatmeal with nothing in it, you know, (laughs) boring oatmeal, all of you. And I could not have been further from the truth. That could not have been further from the reality of what happened. The first person that I met in the building was so gregarious and so lovely. And every single person I met after that, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go back and work in HR. You guys are fun. <laughs> and you honestly, you're the, you guys were one of the most fun audiences I've ever spoken to. The energy, the synergy, the humanity. It was like you guys deal with human problems all day long. And it seems like that humanity has been entrenched in all of you that is twisted and turned and comes out in a good, positive way. So nice to hear people you're, talk about HR that way. Very kind. <laughs> well, and I have to say, I am notorious. I'm a notorious Twitterer, and particularly during keynotes, I like to share. But I have to tell you that your story blew me away so much. I put my phone down and just listened, which my wow. friends that follow me know that is not how I typically yeah. operate. So <laughs> we made the ask on Twitter to talk to you today because it was such a compelling story. And I'm glad to, I'm glad yes. to know you didn't think it was just compliance fun, but we get that. <laughs> we understand. <laughs> yeah. I was literally thinking I'm flying clear across the country to talk about from a bunch of people in HR. Oh, this is not going to go well. <laughs> But it was, I swear, it was so, every, I don't know, the, the energy was just infectious and the kindness, it was like every person I met was so kind. That was the first time John and I had been to that conference and I, I think I really enjoyed everyone there. I think everyone was the positive face of HR. Obviously, we're not positive all the time, but I got that feeling from everyone there as well. It's a great conference that, that namely puts on, I think. Mm-hmm. They did a great job. But you think about the, a lot of, and maybe I'm misunderstood of what your jobs really entail, but when I think of HR, I think of the majority of your day is filled with people coming to you with problems or problems <laughs> coming across your desk. Uh, is that true? It's certainly a piece. Like you said, a lot of it sometimes, you know, I think we were considered the compliance police for many years, but as times have changed, as the workplace has changed, build culture and recruit the right people to make sure we keep them and being more engaged throughout the employee, you know, an employee's time with a company, I think is for many organizations has, has really changed what we do. Certainly compliance is a piece, but it's not the, it's not the only thing anymore, thankfully. That's what I saw. And, you know, that's what I got was like, I've been really misunderstood here. (laughs) So. Yay. Somebody yeah, sees yay. us for who we want to be. <laughs> I should do a commercial for HR, yeah. Yes, you should. You should. Miss Val, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, which is our half-hour question connection. And we yes. ask the same questions of all of our guests. Who was your first professional mentor, and what was the most important thing you learned from them? The first person that comes to mind was, and she wasn't really a mentor. She was more of an example for me, was growing up the ballet world. I like to dress sloppy with, you know, holes in my tights and holes in my point shoes. And I was just kind of like a little hippie bohemian type of dancer (laughs) um, showing up every day for class. And our ballet instructor, her name was Ingrid. She was so beautifully coiffed and presented herself. She always had her makeup on. She always had lipstick. Her hair was always done. She always wore a leotard with a matching, beautiful ballet skirt. And she just 
was lovely. And I remember in my teens, it hit me that one reason why I enjoyed going to class was because she obviously took time in the morning to prepare to come to teach us in class, in ballet class. She didn't just throw on whatever was most handy. She took time and she took care in how she presented herself to us every day in class. And that really stuck with me as far as how you present yourself to people. We would like for people to get to know us before they formulate an impression, but that's not how the world works. Mm-hmm. And you never get a second chance to make a first impression. And so I've always thought about her as I want to run out the door looking like a little grunge, but I take the time to present myself the way that I want to be seen. So that was really the first example. I wouldn't say she really was a mentor. And mm-hmm. then Coach Wooden really mm-hmm. was the first real mentor I had. Miss Val, our listeners are always looking for new people to follow, to listen to, be it, you know, leadership or whatever else it may be. You know, who's one person that you have in your network that you think more people should know? You mean that I listen to or that I follow or that I Absolutely, yes. Oh goodness. Well, all the same ones probably everybody's. I think Brene Brown is on everybody's (laughs) tongue right now, the tip of their tongue right now. I would honestly say that especially for, well, I was going to say young people, but for anybody, I'm really impressed with Caitlin Ohashi. And I just spent the morning with her. She's our gymnast at UCLA whose floor team went viral and she's up for an SB and a team choice award. Her platform is so fantastic because she speaks to really relevant issues like body shaming and why she's chosen so many relationships that have been abusive and how she's gotten her out of that mindset that she's worth more than that. And she speaks to a lot of stressors that I think especially young people have right now. And the way she speaks to them is just so real and authentic and simple. I think she's got a great platform and she's doing a lot of good with it. So if you could go back to the start of your career, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself based on what you know now? Hindsight, right? I would tell myself to not worry about other people's opinions of me and to stay really true to my North Star, my mission, my goal. And that was to help develop champions in these young women, champions in life. And when I first started off, I just postured. I pretended like I was a coach and I acted like a coach. And it quite often was at the peril of the student athletes. You know, if you go back and you ask those athletes that were part of the first few years of my coaching, they would say I was mean. I was, (laughs) yeah, I was cutting. I was sarcastic because I thought I was funny. It was gross now when I look back on it. And it really, it wasn't until I just put my ego aside. And this is not about me at all. This is about how can I help this young woman today motivate her to want to be a better version of herself today and then do that again tomorrow. The word there that's the most important word in that statement is motivate her to want to, not dictate Mm -hmm. that she needs to or that she should. Ms. Fell, how do you enjoy giving back to your community? I basically don't say no to anything. (laughs) So I I feel like I've done like 300 speaking engagements this year. I give back 
any way I can to whomever would like to hear from me. And I'm, I'm working with a few different cancer research foundations. And, you know, I, the last few years I have, I have a, a platform through UCLA and I'm excited to use that platform to speak about everything that you and I, we've just spoken about. But I'm very, 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 very passionate about sharing in our community the importance of parents and coaches redefining success for our children and how important that is to alleviate the fact that they have to be perfect at whatever they attempt or they have to get the perfect SAT score if they have to get in the perfect college. And I'm really hoping that my generation parents can realize that we've got our youth are more stressed out and anxious and depressed than ever before. And that's on us. And we need to do a better job raising our children. Miss Val, what's your favorite movie? Gigi. Oh, Leslie Caron. Yes. <laughs> yeah. How about your favorite musician or band? Well, since I was 12, it would be Elton John. I've seen him 11 times. Oh, wow. <laughs> I could play every Elton John song on the piano. And when I sing, I feel I sound like Elton John. <laughs> um, my favorite artist, like all around artist is Bruno Mars. Cause I just think I can't imagine one human being having that much talent. <laughs> oh, no kidding. No kidding. How about a favorite TV show? It used to be NCIS because I love Mark Harmon. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a Bruin and he played football for us. And all oh. that. It would be any of the dance shows, World of Dance, So Think You Can Dance, The End of the Stars, whatever. Dance, 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 dance. <laughs> but I really, I don't watch much TV because I've mm-hmm. got so many projects to do. But when I do, I'm usually sitting in front of a football game screaming at the TV. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, you might have stole my thunder a little bit for the next question. So we, if you're not watching Gigi or listening to Elton John or Bruno Mars or watching, I'm assuming just the one NCIS and not all the spinoffs, what else do you like to do? Now, I know knowing recently retired, but what else do you like to do outside of those things? I'm a pretty solitary human. I love everything I love to do, I do alone. That's knitting, reading, playing the piano, going for a walk. I'm around people so much during the day that I really crave alone time and downtime. Luckily, I'm married to someone who doesn't need a lot of conversation and we just kind of cohabitate together in this really peaceful (laughs) way. So I'd go nuts if I was married to somebody that talked a lot or had to be out partying all the time. Love it. All right. And finally, Miss Val, if you hadn't spent the last many years coaching, what do you think you would have done professionally? I think I would have been a teacher or a journalist. For some reason, I thought it would be oh. fun. I've always enjoyed writing, but you know, <laughs> okay, I'm, this is not going to sound really good, but bear with me. I really enjoy... <laughs> This is horrible. I enjoy passing people around. I'm a really good director. Like I'm I love better, it. Choreographically, I'm a better director than I am choreographer. But I'm really good at getting people to buy in, to want to do something with enthusiasm. And it's like, even if it is, you know, let's go pick up trash on campus. Come on, guys. This is going to be so much fun. Let's go do this. Let's put a smile on our face and let's encourage other people to pick up trash on campus. This will be really cool. So I feel like that's my calling. One of my callings 
this to boss people around like that. I shouldn't I say think that's great. People, I say <laughs> motivate people to want to do things. That's yes. a better way of putting it. That, that's how you put it earlier. So, yes. <laughs> Miss Val, I'd have to say, I think your track record in leadership, if you want to call it bossing or whatever else, speaks for itself. And yes. so we can't thank you enough for your time. Again, oh, yes. we were just, I, again, I was so moved by what you what you said and how you said it at HRE. You even made me dance, which uh, when I did. You, you know, I'm not much of a dancer. No, so that th- is... I, I was that motivated. I know many of our listeners maybe aren't familiar with you now, or now that they've heard your story, they're going to want to get to. What's the best way for them to reach you out there to get your book? Tell us about the uh, best way for okay. them. To Thank you. you. Look at my website, officialmissbell.com. All of my links are in there. The the past speaking engagements I've done are in there. My book is Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance. <laughs> and that's my website's really great. It's got all the information on it. And I'm on all the social media channels through officialmissvel.com or through officialmissvel. We will have that all in the show yes. notes. And again, want to just uh, thank you so much for your time and for yes. taking part. And hopefully we will see you speaking at, a, uh, at another HR conference again very, very soon. I, I hope, hope so. so. And please come up and say hello when we do, when our paths. Yes, cross. ma'am. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. We will. Very good. Thank you so much. Uh, bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, Wendy, wow. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Pulling the curtain back. We're recording the intro and exit at, well after we spoke to Miss Val uh, several hours later. I'm still buzzing. I, I, you know, her energy, just her candor, her story, it's contagious. And it is. I know a lot of people probably first saw this and said, what in the world are John and Wendy thinking talking to a (laughs) gymnastics coach? We teed up with her kind of who we were and what we were about. And I think so much of what she talks about is certainly relatable and leading, leading teams when you're not, when you're not an expert and her, her perspective on HR practitioners, (laughs) you couldn't help but laugh. I mean, I'd like to think that we continue to help change that perception for her with, with our conversation and, We're really hoping that someone at Sherm is listening to this yeah. and will strongly consider bringing Miss Val in to speak at national conference yes. sooner than later. Because I think, I mean, I will say it. And, and when you, well, I say it on the show, she made me dance and nobody does that. She did. You know, she, she did. She, and, got you and up just, she got me up dancing. And I know what I saw in New York would, we'd see it that many more. And I had to laugh. When she talked about Brene Brown, you know, we just had the opportunity to see Brene Brown in, in, in Vegas. We saw the, what the response was like to her. And I know, based on what we saw, the energy, her story, how she tells her story, how she portrays herself, I know it would be a, a comparable response. I have oh, no doubt. Definitely. You know, that, that, so, so definitely. that's our plea to whoever's listening <laughs> that, uh, you know, please give Miss Val yes, a chance and bring do. her in. And I, I think you would. I think we would all be better for it. And mm-hmm. she she told everybody how to get a hold of her. Yes. We hope you will. For those, Wendy, that, that don't know how to get a hold of you, though, what's the best way for them to reach you out there? Best way to reach me is always on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. And, of course, the fourth Sunday of each month as part of our monthly Twitter chat. You will find me there, again, fourth Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. How about you, John? Best way to find me is at hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. If you click on the three lines at the top left-hand side of the screen, it'll drop down and show you my social accounts. Also access all our previous shows. 
Maybe you want to learn more about some of these other great practitioners that we know and you haven't listened to them. You can listen directly from the site. You can download, you can share, you can rate and review anything and everything that you all do to help boost our signal. All you can simply say is thank you. We will always say thank you. And for those of you that checked us out because of Miss Val, hope you'll come back and give us another shot. Yes. You know, we thanked Miss Val for taking part. Wendy, thanks for uh, your flexibility and, and, and helping helping make this thing happen. Oh, yeah. It was definitely worth it. Absolutely, absolutely. So for the HR Social Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect, give back, and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see y'all soon.